0: The town's uh, excessive imbiber of spirits. The town drunk was walking into the park, and he came across a lake there, and right on the shore of the lake was the local Pentecostal church. And the pastor was doing a baptism service. And so he kind of wandered out into the middle of the lake and was standing next to the pastor... And the pastor looked over at him and said, Son, are you ready to find Jesus? And the imbiber of excessive spirit said, Yes, I am. And so he took him and he immersed him. The pastor dunked him right there in the water and pulled him back up. And he looked at him, he said, Did you find Jesus? And he said, No, I I didn't. So he Put him back down under there, immersed him again, this time a little longer. <laughs> Pulled him up and he said, did you find Jesus? And he said, no, I'm, I'm sorry, I didn't. Psh! Dunked him back under there, about 30 seconds. Pulls him back up, he's gasping for air, he says, son, for the love of heaven, did you find Jesus. And he said, no, I didn't. Are you sure this is where he fell in? (laughs) Sacrilege. I vetted that with some of my good Christian friends to make sure that it wasn't going to be over the top offensive. It's not to be sacrilegious. I'm not minimizing anything. I'm making a point. And actually, when I asked one of my friends, she made the point for me because she looked at me and she said, that's funny, but I mean, that's not why we get baptized. It's for original sin. More on that in just a bit. But this is an important topic. Immersion. Baptism. And to say it's important, I think, is an understatement for certain. Then Jesus arrived from Galilee at the Jordan, coming to John to be baptized by him. And Jesus came up and spoke to them. This is what? The Great Commission. Yeshua came up to them saying all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations doing what? Baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Acts 2, the first big growth of the, of the community of disciples. Peter, they come to him and say, what must we do to be saved? And Peter says to them, repent and each of you what? Be baptized in the name of of Messiah Yeshua, for the forgiveness of sins. So Yeshua's ministry career begins with baptism. The the Great Commission, for goodness sakes, has in it a central component of baptism. Acts, the launch of what is called the church, which it's not the church, it's the believing community of disciples, begins with an act of Immersion. You could even say before that it began with the baptism of fire in the Holy Spirit, but that's a different story. We're talking literally here about immersion. In Hebrew, taval, Tavila. tefila is prayer. Tavila is immersion. It's from that verb taval. So we shouldn't be surprised in any way to pick up in the elementary principles that having been through repentance from dead works, right? We talked about repentance from dead works. We talked about faith toward God. And very importantly and prominently, instruction about baptisms, baptismon, didicus baptismon. You're going to hear the worst Greek pronunciation you've ever heard in your life today, I promise you instructions about not baptismus, not singular baptism, but baptisms, instructions about baptisms. It's pretty important, so important that the author again says, this is a basic, this is milk, you should know this, you should know everything about this, these instructions about baptisms. We should be able to share that and understand this foundational component of a disciple's life. And if you ask many people, they would say, I got it. I, I totally get it. I understand what baptism is. It's, it's very clear. It's talking about the requirement for salvation in the apostolic scriptures that are laid out there. It's it's elementary, my dear rabbi. Baptism, you must be baptized. And the author of Hebrews is confirming here that the baptism for the forgiveness of sins must take place in the life of a believer. And once it's done, guess what? It's done. Sealed, dealed, heaven, here we come. And so here's where our discussion starts, actually. If someone is not familiar with the Jewish context of baptism, of immersion, in other words, if all you know about baptism is what you know as Christian baptism, then probably most, if not everything you ever thought about its meaning, about its It's how it was done, when it was done, why it was done, and and why we should. If all you've ever known is anything separated from Judaism, then probably everything you know is wrong. And that's not to be condescending or cocky. Here's a short list of things, courtesy of uh, Daniel in the book Elementary Principles, of things it is not. It is not Christian. Jesus didn't invent it for the new religion. He invented called Christianity. That's not at all on the table. It was not done with infants and children. It was not normally done sprinkled. It was not a sacrament. It does not, contrary to my friend's statement, remove original sin There was no public display, no no glass-filled tank that you went in front of the entire church and baptized. There was no hands-on approach. The baptizer did not touch the baptizee. There was no dunking like our pastor and guy in the park. There was no contact. It was done without any articles of clothing on in Most cases. So obviously that rule would not fit in well at the Baptist church today. (laughs) It is still done by Jewish people today. It was done before Yeshua, long before Yeshua, and is still done long after Yeshua was on earth by Jewish people. It is a prevalent practice. So. What is this elementary principle? First, there's an interesting consideration. I want you to remember, who, what, where do we find this, this elementary principles? What's the book it's drawn from? Hebrews. Who was the book of Hebrews written to? Thank you, Roger. I know that took a lot of deep digging, mental insight, just <laughs> digging in there. Hebrews was written to the Hebrews, to Jews. To Jews, okay? People who had spent a lifetime familiar with the idea of immersion in a mikvah. Mikvah may be a new word for you. Mikvah is, better, is known today as a baptismal, right? Because of the obvious linguistic uh, evolution from baptismus to Baptist and baptismals and all that. But it's a mikvah. That's where you immerse in a mikvah. What is a mikvah? A mikvah is a natural gathering of water. A natural gathering of water. It's naturally, I should say it's a pool, naturally fed. Now we could spend a, a three weeks talking about how to construct a mikvah in the modern age. We're not going to do that. But there's still this process happens. As a matter of fact, when constructing a synagogue... You don't construct a synagogue unless you first have a mikvah. It's that important today. So we'll be taking up um, passing the can around after services because we already have the synagogue. So we're going to build a mikvah as well. Now it would be nice, and I'll at the end of this couple of weeks on immersion, you'll understand how nice it would be if we actually did have a mikvah. <clears throat> Pray about that because I think there's something going in the broader Jewish community related to mikvah. So sorry, the mikveh, naturally fed pool of water where people entered the water completely submerged for several different related pur- purposes, most of which were not about sin. OK, you with me so far? That's the mikvah. Why? Why does this happen? Why is there such a thing? Well, that's a very easy answer because God said it. It's in the Torah. That's pretty clear. If God says it, you do it. But still, why? Well, here's something I want to read you from Chabad.org. In many ways, mikvah is the threshold separating the unholy from the holy. But it is even more. Simply put, immersion in a mikvah symbolizes... Go back for me. Symbolizes, mikvah signals a change in status. More correctly, not a parallel status, but an elevation in status. You enter the mikvah one way, you exit another way. Elevate it. Utensils that could not be used to eat in a kosher home or a kosher kosher kitchen after immersion become utilized in the holy act of eating. A woman who, after finishing her monthly cycle, who has been kept apart from having marital relations with her husband during this period, it's in the Torah, enters the mikvah and after comes out ready to engage in this very holy act in marriage. Men, women in temple times who were precluded from services in the temple because of a ritual defilement entered the mikvah before walking into the holy space of the temple. Hundreds of mikvahot all around the temple. The priests most definitely immersed. We see this in Leviticus 16 as an example, watching the high priest's work on the Day of Atonement. Uh, they, and, and those things didn't have anything to do with sin, but, but it could, it could, an immersion of repentance. We see John doing an immersion of repentance. But the, the, the Jewish groom would often enter the mikvah before his wedding day. Why? Removing any stains of a past life, entering in with his, with his bride purified. On Yom Kippur, men would often enter the mikvah before walking into this very sacred time before God. So it could be about purification from those types of things, but the most dramatic, dramatic part of the mikvah has to do with the Conversion. The individual who descends into the mikveh as a Gentile when converting emerges from beneath its waters as a Jew. Now, that is, that is a very brief little look at mikveh and realize that none of those things have to do with Yeshua. This has all been going on long before he was on earth. But there are two important points some of that should sound pretty familiar to you, yes? Some of it at least. As it is typically, you know, the, the, the change in status, new identity, repentance, purification, and more on that later, yes. But again, what, what, we, what, what we look for, what are we finding here? That this book that has these lessons about washings written to Jews, Jews who didn't need instructions about immersion, but just like what we talked about faith in God last week where we said all Judaism had faith in God, why is that an elementary principle of of Messiah? Because ours is different, the same and different, and the same rules apply with our understanding as disciples of Yeshua of immersion in the mikvah. It's the same, but different. And these things we need to know like milk, right? Christian baptism, as it is typically called. That is a term that is intended to to completely separate the idea of immersion in Judaism from what Jesus did. Christian baptism. What is Christian baptism? Well, first and foremost, it's not Jewish. In other words, though Jesus was Jewish and the disciples and all the early teachers, and, and though they completely and totally understood the meaning, power, and practice of immersion, Yeshua had come to create something completely and totally new along the way to creating his new religion. Why? We are no longer slaves to the law. And it's written like this in Hebrews. Why? Here's one assessment. And I'm serious. This is a real opinion. That these instructions about washings were written to the silly Jews so that they would realize they don't have to do these things anymore. That you don't need to have ceremonial, under the law, ritualistic washings. Ew, yuck. That's Old Testament, man. It's done away with obsolete, unnecessary, that that is what he's saying is milk that the community needs to understand. Now, that's dumb. That's really dumb. It's almost as dumb as saying in our first elementary principle that repentance from dead works means abandoning the Torah. These are dumb, stupid things. They're not right. Kids, don't ever say dumb or stupid. (laughs) Especially when talking to your brother or sister. So instructions about washings is not, is not teaching Jews about how to perform various immersions. They already knew that. It is also not about teaching Jews what they don't need to do in the mikvah. They wouldn't do that. Why? Because it's the Torah. I can't enter the temple if I don't go into the mikvah. Come on. So, you know, we ask, is it then... Is it a a specifically unique baptism that that had severed all roots from Judaism and now created its own new thing? Something new, something never before seen. Was it that? No. Was it something different? Yes. So the answer, of course, is yes and no, because what message could ever provide you a definitive answer? You'd be disappointed if I did that. The no first, and this is important, really important. This is from the Jewish encyclopedia. The baptism of the proselyte has for its purpose his cleansing from the impurity of idolatry, the restoration to the purity of a new born man. Remember the conversation with Nicodemus? Yeshua said, my goodness, you are the teacher of all Israel and you don't understand becoming a new born man. He did understand it but not in light of Yeshua. But this is, this is, we're talking about a convert, right? We're talking about a very ancient process of conversion. The bathing in the water is to constitute a rebirth where the ger, that's the stranger, that's the, the one coming to convert, is like a child just born. He must bathe. Listen, in the name of God, Shemaim, in the name of heaven, That is, assume the yoke of God's kingdom opposed on him by the one who leads him to baptism or else he's not admitted. Now listen to this very, very carefully. For this very reason, this takes its basis we could draw from something that happened at Mount Sinai. Do you remember what happened? We're right there now. I mean, it's amazing how this has flowed right along with the Torah portions that are going on. We're close to receiving the Torah at Mount Sinai. And Moses is instructed by God that you should go to the people, consecrate them today and tomorrow have them wash their garments. And this is what Philo says. He says, For this very reason, all of those things that I just told you about the mikvah and why it happens and being born again and being purified and being in a state of repentance. For this very reason, the Israelites, before the acceptance of the law, had, according to Philo as well, as well as according to the rabbis and the sages of Judaism, to undergo the rite of baptismal purification. Clarification. They're getting ready to accept upon themselves the yoke of the kingdom of heaven through the Torah. And what do they need to do first? Be cleansed in a certain way. And what's really interesting is when we read 1 Corinthians... I don't want you to be unaware, brothers and sisters, that our fathers were all under the cloud and they passed through the sea. And what happened in Moses? They were baptized into Moses and in the cloud and in the sea. That's strange, but it's not strange at all. And they believed in God and also in his servant Moses. Do you see a precedent here for something that might come later when Yeshua was walking the earth? You should, but I'll help you a little bit more as we talk about it. But there is the servant. The Moses leading them in a baptism, but it was in the name of God. But Corinthians saying, baptized also in the name of Moses. What does that mean? Well, let's not confuse it. But the people, they went, they washed their garments. And as I said, to have them ready for the third day, many opinions suggest that that washing of the garment was them entering in to the mikvah, into immersion, into cleansing before receiving the Torah. Notice, we are in, we are, we are a long time before Yeshua here, right? This is Torah giving. And we're seeing something. We're seeing something that is going to be very, very connected between the first Redeemer and the second Redeemer that we talked about last week, Moses, Yeshua. We're talking about the Israelites who had come out of Egypt defiled, by the way, by idolatry, by the evil of Egypt. They have gone through the water of the sea, a literal sort of baptism, although they didn't actually have to be submerged in that water. It's a figurative baptism gone through the water of the sea, been baptized with the servant, Corinthians says, and now in preparation for their change of status, for their marriage at Mount Sinai to God, they have this other purification. My goodness, does that sound familiar? Yeshua, we're saying Yeshua made this up? That Yeshua came along with a totally different idea and and created Christian baptism from nowhere with no precedent, a whole new thing? That simply is incorrect. Christian baptism's been around for a long time, but it wasn't called Christian baptism. It was called Jewish baptism, just like it was in Hebrews. And you know I'm a very, very big fan of this Moses-Yeshua connection. You'll remember it as I said from last week. Believe in God, believe in the servant. Yeshua says, believe in God, believe also in me, in God's son, in the servant. And we just made this amazing connection being baptized into the first Redeemer, in essence, the one who was mediating between God and man, Moses, who went up to receive the Torah. Is it? Is it unfathomable to imagine that when Yeshua came to intercede for man between God and man, that he also steps in as the servant and provides this baptism, this immersion, this process that's an integral part of that relationship? No, it's not a stretch, in case you need me to answer that for you. It's not. That we would be baptized into His name, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. There it is. There it is. See, that's the new part. That is the part, that Holy Spirit part, that makes it Christian baptism. That's the delineation. Well, I want to take you to this book. It's in the Old Testament. It's called Ezekiel. This is the new covenant scriptures. I'll sprinkle clean water on you and you will be clean. I will cleanse you from all your impurities, all your idols. I'll give you a new heart. And I'm going to put a new spirit in you as well. Yeshua is talking Ezekiel language. The spirit is part of you. So you know what? No, this, this isn't something brand new. This isn't something that's eradicating Judaism. Clearly, instructions about washings cannot have been instructions about how, when, or why to undergo ritual immersion. It was not about ritual purity or even how to immerse new believers into the faith. No one needed to be taught about that in Jewish communities. When Simon Peter said to the people in Acts 2, repent and be baptized, every one of you in the name of Yeshua the Messiah for the forgiveness of your sins, no one stood up and said, hmm, baptism? Baptism? What is that? What's that for? Why would we do that? And yet something was new. Something was new. Just like faith in God when we talked about it. Rooted in Judaism. Fulfilled, and I use that word very carefully, in Yeshua. John 1.17, a scripture that has been taken so far out of context that I am like, it, it takes a lot to bring it back. Most translations, for the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Yeshua, Messiah Yeshua. What is it? Contrast. Old Dirty Moses had this. Yeshua's got grace and truth. That's not true. And the semicolon works really well. For the law was given through Moses. Baruch Hashem, bless God. It's our instruction, it's our marriage covenant. Grace and truth came through Messiah Yeshua. Baruch Hashem, thank God for the Son who has made a way that when we fail or fall, it will not eternally separate us from God. It's both. It's both. It must be both. First, second, baptism in Moses, baptism in Yeshua. It's the perfect. Moses had opened the door to relationship with Hashem, with his obedience, with his sacrifice, leading Israel, getting the Torah, all of these things. And now Yeshua, through the Spirit, brings Israel and the nation's key, key, key element. Yeshua brings Israel and the nations into relationship with God. And how central are the nations in this story? The Great Commission. Therefore, go and make disciples of who? Every Jew you can get your hands on? Well, yes, but all nations. And what will you do with them? You will baptize them. In a sort of way into Moses, into the into Moses was an intercessor into God. Not like Yeshua. I don't want you to think that I'm elevating Moses to some type of messianic status in that way. But he was a mediator. And he, through the Torah, brought people to God. Yeshua and the Spirit, that's what you need to do, Yeshua said. Let this act of baptism mean that for the nations. Just like the convert that we talked about above, who emerges with an elevation of status. And so these instructions about washings were For the early community of disciples, so incredibly, massively important as these prophetic scriptures about the nations and Israel being one, entering in. This was a central component of that. Jews and Gentiles united in God, filled with the Holy Spirit through Messiah. And immersion was at the center of that. So, question, were these immersions something spiritual or were they something practical? Are they esoteric? Are they pragmatic? Yes. Paul speaks all over the place about the spiritual component of baptism. But there's a very, very practical component of baptism as well. And a lot of that had to do for Jews who were wondering, what in the world are we going to do with all these Gentiles that are coming? That's what a big section of Acts is about early on. Well, a lot of Acts, not even just early. So these instructions about washings, they were catechetical. You know that word? All our good theology folks. Catechetical. From the word... Catechism, which is a very Christian word. What does catechism mean? Well, catechism literally means a summary of the principles of Christian religion in the form of questions and answers used for the instruction of Christians. Wow, that is Christian. (laughs) A series of fixed questions, answers, or precepts used for instruction in other situations. But are you ready for the secret? these weren't christian instructions these catechetical instructions were jewish to their core and there was something massively important that we will discuss next week about how important that is for the his, for the future for salvation for what this really really meant. To help us understand these instructions and why they were so important to whom, when, why, we're going to look at this catechetical idea. I like that word, catechetical. <laughs> we're going to look at this catechetical idea and it will plant us squarely next week in. You ready? You <laughs> ready? Thank you. Again, I have absolutely no idea how to pronounce Greek, but that was me doing it with passion. And a lot of times in life, if you do something with passion, everyone believes you. That's the full title. What I just told you is the full title of this book, the Didache. It begins with that word instruction, instruction of the master through 12 apostles to the Gentiles. This is a first century instruction, or maybe early, early, early second, instruction book. And we will find unbelievable parallels and information between what these instructions about washings actually are and what we can find, again, just for fun, in the... (laughs) It is the Didache, right? So, with God's help, next week we will all leave with this conclusion of baptism, both instructed, inspired, and a little cleaner. Shabbat Shalom. We're building the kingdom and thankful that you're a part of that mission. If this teaching inspired you, please consider a financial gift to support the work of Shalom Macon. Visit maconmessianic.com and click Give Online. May the Lord bless and keep you.